Namaste. Uh, today, 14th April, Friday. It's a Easter Friday. It is regarded as the day of uh, crucifixion of Christ, followed by the resurrection after three days. It's uh, observed all over the Christian world. And like most religious uh, festivals or um, ceremonies, it has lost its true significance. In fact, many of the stories in all the mythologies have lost their true significance. For example, um, the story of redemption. So it is said that Christ washed away the sins of um, others by his blood. So what it means is that uh, actually it is true of all the avatars. What is the original sin in the real sense? Original sin is not uh, that some souls were pushed and they took birth. Well, they didn't, uh, you know, you can't call it really sin in that sense. But it means birth in matter which carries the stamp of imperfection. So the moment you enter into the field of matter, you automatically enter into the field of ignorance, death, obscurity, darkness. And through the process, matter carries this stamp because in matter, it's a very strong tendency to fix everything. That's why it is, you know, matter is known to be rigid material in which everything gets fixed. So that's why it's so easy to manipulate things in thought but very difficult when they set into the body as a habit. The conditioning is very strong. So every time an avatar comes, by assuming a material body, he washes away these imprints. Because then only something new can come. So in fact, every avatar does it. He comes and by assuming a material body, he takes away the burden of past habits, conditionings, be it the conditioning of an animal consciousness, of a semi-humanized consciousness, of a barbaric consciousness or even a human consciousness or something still higher and thereby he starts, activates within it a new stir of life, of the creative upsurge of a divine becoming, unfolding or manifestation, whatever way we want to look at it. So that a new chapter in the Leela of the great unfolding can begin. All avatars do it. In the Christ story, it is uh, expressed in a certain way, which uh, people take it as the you know connotation of uh, uh, Christian uh, story, because the idea of avatar is missing there. Uh, at least it has not been developed the way it is developed in Hindu thought. So, how does uh, Christ wash away the sins? By assuming a human body. He takes away the stamp of a barbaric humanity, semi-barbaric. People often ask, uh, how did Sri say that Christ humanized Europe? Look at Europe at the time of Christ. Slaying someone who is seeking freedom for humankind, equality and freedom. He is crucified along with two thieves. And through the road, his journey, if you read through the whole story, the passion of Christ and you know how he goes through that intense pain. What else is this humanity but a barbaric humanity? And in the western context, Christ brings there the message of forgiveness, compassion and love and thereby helps humanity become more humanized. People often ask but we don't observe it so much in the Christian world. We must uh, differentiate between Christ and Christianity just as we must differentiate between Buddha and Buddhism 
and I must say between Krishna and Krishna consciousness. The founders of religion, every religion, bring a great tremendous truth. But human consciousness reduces it into fixed formulas. Now, the reason why Hinduism escaped this kind of fixity is because it allows for evolutionary manifestations. So always there are new, um, not only interpretations, but those who realize Krishna in themselves in their own way. So always there is the evolutionary process going on. But in Semitic religions, that is not the case. It, so it stops with one God, one book and one uh, path which majority tend to follow. Whatever it be, the assumption of a mortal body or a human body by the divine means that now this body can be prepared for the next step in the evolutionary process because all manifestation will be through the body. And the mother says something very beautiful about it. She speaks about the apocalyptic vision. Often we'll hear about, you know, uh, pralaya and humanity will be destroyed. So what really is pralaya? It is destruction of the old. Whatever is not ready to bear the burden of the new, that will be destroyed. And what is the new age that starts after pralaya? Invariably you will say it, See, it is the age of truth, Satyug. All cycles, four yugas, pralaya, followed by Satyug. So what are these four ages? If we take the Indian thought, they are efforts towards manifesting the divine at different levels. In the soul or spirit, in the mind and intellect, in life and vitality, in body or matter. And whatever could be done is done. Then whatever cannot bear the burden of the progress it collapses. And because it collapses, just like an aircraft takes off, leaving behind all the smoke, so mankind is ready for the next leap. So that's how when we understand the story, the mother says that certain prophets had this apocalyptic vision. What it means is, and the last judgment, that also, last judgment. What is the last judgment? Last judgment is those who are redeemed by the avatar. We now not limited to Christ. And then she says, it is true that there is a kind of humanity which is born in this imperfect way. But the avatar comes precisely to take it upward. Now there is a humanity which sticks to the old, refuses to move forward, resists the advance and that is going to collapse. She says that very clearly. And there is a humanity which simply because of the faith, and this is something so beautiful, it takes time to absorb it. She says that it doesn't know that the divine took the avatar. But it has faith in the divine sacrifice in matter. And by that very faith it is redeemed. What is divine sacrifice in matter? It doesn't have to believe that this was the God in this form he incarnated in a human body. All that it needs is that there is divine presence present in this clay. Divine who is present in this earth. Divine who is present in the human body. And that's why we see in the Gita, Sri Krishna says so beautifully, he says, the asuras despise the divine in the human body. It is referring to the inner divine. So there are those who have this faith that there is divine in creation. They don't like Asuras say that world is devoid of the divine, that all is a question of desire and uh, there is no God, there is no divinity. So they collapse back into the animal state. 
But there is a section of humanity, it may not know, for instance in today's context, it may not know that who Shurabindo is or the mother is, but it believes that there is divine in matter upon this earth in the human body and therefore it is full of hope, it has that faith. And this humanity will be redeemed. So we must know that when Christ comes and gives this truth, it's not about Christianity that he is speaking. Christianity was found much later and I don't want to go into its history and all that. All religions are like that. It's an attempt to convert a very profound and vast truth into fixed formulas, rigid formulas. And then to those formulas we add certain stories and then we add certain you know, miracle deeds. Not that miracles don't exist in the stories are not true. They are true. But we try more and more to convert the followers and then it changes into a socio-political ideology, a means to either oppress mankind or to conquer mankind. So that's when religion, the truth of a religion escapes into the secrecy of its silence. That's how Shibinda puts it. And then there is propaganda, there is conversion. When all these things start, that means a religion has lost its truth. Because in truth, conversion means inner conversion. It means that the soul is now ready for the next step. And it feels converted to a new truth. Any effort at outer conversions shows that the truth is dead in that particular religion or it has escaped. Truth cannot die. And what is left is a shell. That shell is a powerful shell. After all, this was the shell which... At its origin, that throne was occupied by the Lord in a certain form. So that shell is taken by the Asura and used for his purposes to propagate falsehood. So we must know the difference between the two. Meaning thereby, Christ from his cross humanized Europe doesn't mean Christians. It means all who are ready to be humanized. And they may or may not believe in Christ. That's not important. But they believe that there is something called as breath of divinity. And even if they don't believe that way in Christ particularly, but in the sense of divinity within man, in the earth for progress towards something better and good, they are redeemed and they move on to the next step of um, humanization. Of course, Shurabindo brings, then subsequent to Christ, we see, uh, as Shurabindo says, uh, the story doesn't end with Christ. Christ himself speaks about the second coming and Buddha speaks of, I mean, all followers speak of second coming. So what is this second coming? Second coming means that there is some work still left undone and the divine assumes the form to complete this work. Second coming in the western context is nothing else but Sambhavami Yuge Yuge. God takes birth again and again to perfect Material creation. Why doesn't he do it in one go? Because it cannot be done like that. In one go, if he puts all the pressure on matter and the material um, bodies, they will break down. Because this is a tremendous power. Mind cannot contain. It's like teaching a child in kindergarten all about the theories of relativity. It's quite likely that the child will just go crazy if he ever understands anything. So step by step from kindergarten we take to the primary, then secondary, then higher secondary and so on and so forth. So second coming literally means that all cannot be done by one avatar at one go. Because the basis is material. It is on matter that the working is being done. Though most people think it is only in the soul. Yes, in the soul he opens a door to a new 
uh, evolutionary process. But because he takes a human body, if it is only the soul, it can be done by vibhuti, saints, sages. But because the process has to take place in matter, even if the soul is very developed, the moment it enters into matter, it's in a cage, imprisoned. So the process is equally taking place in matter. So that's why the need of second coming. And I would say in the final series of these comings, in the Indian conception of Dashavtar, you have Kalki who descends and clears the ground for the establishing the kingdom of heaven on earth. What Christ dreamed but could not because humanity was not ready. He brought that kingdom of heaven on earth, wanted to bring it through love and compassion but mankind instead of receiving put him on the cross. So the need of a second coming to fulfill that work and that we see grand culmination and fulfillment in the work of Sri Aurobindo and the mother.